Acts 19, and I know I had you seated, and, and, and I want you to stand back to your feet. We're going to read together verses 1 through 6 of Acts chapter number 19, and, and I'll start reading with verse number 1. You can join in with me on the even verses. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples there. Verse 2, everyone. He said unto them, Turn to your neighbor right now and say, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they might have said, And they said unto him, everybody, And they said unto him, We have not so much We haven't even heard whether there be any. What, what, what are you talking about? Next verse, me by myself. And he said unto them, then he questioned, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. He was checking their baptismal formula. How were you baptized? They said, well, we were baptized uh, of John the Baptist. That's how we were baptized. And then he goes on, verse 4, everyone together. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Okay? So he checked them out. They were baptized, John the Baptist, unto repentance. And he said, hey, John was the forerunner to Jesus. He was pointing people to Jesus. And, and he was telling, John was telling people to, 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 to follow after Jesus. Go back to that previous verse there, verse 4. See, John, Paul said, John verily baptized with baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, the one that's coming after him, they, that, that they believe on Jesus Christ. Okay, now verse 5. When they heard this, folks that were baptized of John the Baptist, were baptized again the correct way in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Folks that had already went down in water and baptized of John the Baptist. But now they were needed to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they did that when they heard this. They were baptized, not just dabbed with water, not just sprinkled. Baptized, the word in itself means baptized, to be buried, to baptizo, buried, completely immersed in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Next verse. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, everybody. And prophesied. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and they prophesied. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? God bless you. You may be, you may be seated. We have not so much of heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And that's where a lot of people are today. A lot of folks have never received the Holy Spirit. A lot haven't 
heard of it. Some have heard about it, but because of the packaging or what they've seen or the presentation of such, it wasn't received very well. And they, 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 they didn't know that, they, they didn't think it was something that they wanted. Maybe things that they saw on, on television or maybe some proud individual that had received it and was telling someone in a not so accepting way that, that they needed it, only they didn't want anything that the individual was selling because obviously it wasn't working so good on them. Anybody hearing me this morning? Some said, I don't want anything to do with that Holy Ghost. And logically, folks are, are scared of, of ghosts uh, unless it's Casper the Friendly Ghost. Somebody say amen. Ghost just by just by logic when we talk about ghost uh, we thinking of things that are that are dead or things that are scary or things that are that are spooky so there's a lot of confusion and a lot of things associated with uh, the Holy Spirit that simply is not true. So what we want to do today is bring clarity to uh, to the word. The word itself gets translated uh, translated two different ways, either as spirit or as ghost. It's translated as ghost or spirit, but really there's not a good English word that translates uh, for it. 800 times in the Bible, Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, both uh, from the Old Testament Hebrew as well as the New Testament uh, Greek. The Old Testament Hebrew word uh, is ruach. Uh, ruach, the definition of the word is uh, a wind or a breath, a blast of breath used in verse 2 of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. The breath of God, the Spirit there, it's translated, the breath of of God. Then you go to the Greek, the New Testament, and it's the word pneuma in the Greek. It's not spirit or ghost, but it's wind rather. The definition is a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Jesus talking here in John 6 verse 63 he says uh, every time I speak uh, he says the words that I have spoken to you uh, they are spirit it's translated there pneuma or breath uh, and they those words are life uh, the words on the pages of your Bible are breath uh, the words of God are the breath of life uh, it's not stay it's not just memorized, not just something to recite. It is alive and can work in your life. Somebody give the Lord a hand. Now, in order to understand pneuma, let's look at wind in, uh, in the natural. And there's a few characteristics that we'll talk about of, uh, of just the natural wind that blows uh, outside. The first thing that we want to look at is, is wind is unseen. Wind is invisible. You cannot see when the wind blows. You can feel it. You can see the effects upon it. You can see the trees moving. You can feel 
your hair blowing, uh, but you cannot see it in actuality. Now, yesterday, as is today, it was very hot outside, and I was outside with, with, with my middle son, and, and I was sweating, and then, and then suddenly a breeze would blow through, and, and I'd say, man, that breeze feels good. That breeze feels good. That puff of air feels good. And you know what? Nobody that was sitting around me, nobody that was next to me was messed up by that. They all liked it when that breeze would blow through. They liked it because it was refreshing to them. Now, we don't base our Christian experience on feeling, but it is good to feel the presence of God blow in. Somebody say amen. We don't walk by feeling. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We may not see it. We may not know it. But we feel it. And when we feel it, it is good. Somebody say amen. And if you agree with me today. John chapter 14 and verse 16 and 17. Jesus speaking says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. 17 says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. It doesn't see him. It doesn't know him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus was saying, I'm with you now, but I shall be in you. I'm here with you now. You see me now, but I shall be in you. You can come into this house and get some wind in your sails. God will help you and refresh you. If you believe that clap to the Lord second thing about wind in the natural wind is unpredictable God doesn't always do it the same every time folks when he's answering a prayer, when he's performing a miracle. There are some absolutes in the word of God and those things are the same. But, but if God's doing something and performing something, he, he doesn't always do it the same way. He doesn't always answer your prayers in the same manner. You wanna know why? Because then people will begin worshiping the system. And I've seen it happen. Some, some folks may get a miracle by, by doing something or performing some type of act. And then suddenly, suddenly they're worshiping the system. They think that, oh, God's going to do it like that every time. Maybe, maybe someone got, got healed when, when, when they did a foot washing deal. And then they think every time somebody, somebody needs healing, they get out the pans and, and want to wash feet. That's not the thing. God can do it differently every single, every single time. That's why when, 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 when God parted the waters of the Red Sea. He had, he had Moses stretch forth uh, his rod, and when he did so, the waters rolled back. And, and then they're thinking, hey, uh, if it's the rod, maybe it's the rod that, that parts seas. And God's saying, it's not the rod that parts seas. I'm, I'm the one that parts seas. And they come to the time where they're getting ready to walk into the land of Canaan, and they, they step between uh, the, the Jordan River was in front of them, and it was, it was flooded seizing, and it was, it was a mammoth river at the time. And, and and they're thinking, hey, where's the rod? We need a rod. If, if God's going to part this, this river, if he's going to part the waters, we need a rod. And God's saying, no, I'm not doing that this way. This time I'm wanting the, the priests to come and step their feet into the water. See, if you're just going to worship the system, then you think the only way this water is going to be parted is we need a rod. 
And God's saying, I can do it however I want to do it. If I'm going to perform a miracle in your life, it doesn't have to be the same way it was performed the first time. I can do anything in your life. So when the priest, yes, give him a hand. So when the priests were toting the Ark of the Covenant and when they stepped into the water, it wasn't until they stepped into the water did the rivers part. So God can do it however he wants and he's un unpredictable one time a guy brought uh, uh, was brought to Jesus and said hey uh, lay your hands on him lay your hands on him we've seen you do it this way before lay your hands on him and Jesus didn't do it uh, the guy may have wanted the hands and he may have thought that the hands was the trick there but Jesus you know what he did and, and it's a good thing we don't make a memorial to this thing he spit upon the ground and he made clay, he made mud, and he put it in that guy's eyes. Now think about that. If, if, if you want to take everything and say, well, God did it this way, Jesus did it this way. Think about if we brought a blind man in here and then one of you began spitting in the ground and making mud and putting it in his eyes. Come on, we're not worshiping the system, we're worshiping the God that performs. So Jesus made clay, put it in the mud, made mud and put it in this guy's eyes and he spoke and he healed another. He didn't do it the same way. John 8 says, Jesus answered, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you can't tell where it comes or where it is going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Somebody say amen. And guess what word in the Greek is used right there for spirit? It's pneuma, pneuma. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. God one time talked to someone out of a burning bush, a bush, a bush that burned with fire yet was not consumed. But that's the only time we read of God speaking in that manner. God can speak to you and it doesn't have to be a bush. He doesn't have to do it the same way every time. You have to be careful not to believe only what your mind has experienced or understands about how God works. When God fills somebody with the Holy Spirit, now he does have an external evidence that takes place every single time. Every single time. Something that takes place on the outside that's evidence that something has happened on the inside. And some folks say well I've been living for God for a certain amount of years and I never seen that happen so it must not it must not be true you've got to be careful be careful not to filter the things of God through your own experiences because God can do anything We've got our system and structure here at Christian Life uh, better than it's ever been uh, previous to this time. But ultimately, we need God to do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. Uh, it won't be our system that moves people. Tragedy will not move people. It might for a little instance, uh, but it won't stay. Only the presence of God moves people. Folks, uh, we need the Holy Spirit to do a work uh, right here. The third thing in the natural wind is powerful. Wind is 
powerful. Wind can generate electricity. It can sail a ship. It can destroy a community with a storm. It is powerful. Many of you are going through things that human power cannot fix. It's a shame that people would distance themselves from the power of God because of some way that someone had packaged it or described it or they seen them act in a certain measure or manner or way. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And I say come on us Lord. Come on us Lord. Rest on us Lord. Fill us Lord. We're facing things that human power cannot fix. We need the power of God in our lives. Like many, Charles Finley Finley was comfortable only knowing God on an intellectual level. And then he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He said it felt like a wave. It felt like a wave of electricity flowing through his body. And I quote, Indeed, he says, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Breath. That's actually what it is. The spirit, the wind, the breath of God. And there are some here today, some of you, that is a mission critical in your marriage. It's mission critical on your job, with your kids, with your health, with your emotions, with your walk with God, that you get some fresh air, the breath of God, some wind in your sails some refreshing and some power from God. Fourth thing, wind is refreshing. It's unseen, it's unpredictable, it's powerful, and it's refreshing. Now that's wind in the natural. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, no eye has seen, no ear hath heard, neither hath it entered in the, the, the heart of man. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Numa. Anyone that, say, that stays, uh, stays away from the Holy Ghost, uh, anyone that, that says stay away from the Holy Ghost uh, is really truthful, truthfully saying stay away from God. Stay away from, uh, from Jesus uh, in your life uh, because it actually is the Spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. Ephesians 4 and 30 from the message. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. It's making us fit for him. Let the spirit blow in this place. Refresh us, Lord. Refresh us, Lord, with your spirit. So what is Pentecost? What is, uh, what is Pentecost? What, what actually is all that? And today is, is Pentecost Sunday. What exactly does that mean? Pentecost is actually a day, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. 
Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. That's, that's what it is. We're 50 days after Passover. And that's what Pentecost. People are called Pentecostals. Not really the word, but it's associated with what took place on that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Pentecost is actually a Jewish holiday. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill it. And you can see Jesus and his plan in all of this. Passover is the first major holiday celebrated by the Jewish community. It was a celebration of bringing them out of bondage, bringing them out of slavery. Tenth plague, and they put the blood on them, the doors, the blood of a, a lamb. They killed the lamb, put the blood upon the doors, and in God. God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. That's the name, Passover. The death angel would pass over the house where the blood was applied to that house. 9 a.m., they'd take the lamb. 3 p.m., they'd put it in the oven. On Good Friday, Jesus was our Passover lamb. 9 a.m., he was nailed to the cross. 3 p.m. They took him off the cross, put his body in a tomb. His sacrifice covers our sins. His sacrifice removes our sins. It doesn't just cover them. The lamb that was slain throughout the Old Testament just pushed them forward, pushed them forward, pushed them forward. But Jesus was the fulfillment of the Passover lamb, and his sacrifice doesn't just push them forward but it removes our sins completely. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 says that Christ is our Passover lamb. So Passover represents forgiveness. This, uh, this is free. This, uh, this doesn't cost you anything. It costs Jesus everything. It's not reading your Bible or praying or your sacrifice that does this that gets you forgiveness. It's the gift of of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, by grace you are saved through faith, not of your any works, not of yourself, lest any man should boast. You don't earn this. You, you can't do enough to get this. It's only through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. If you believe that, put your hands together and clap to him. So Pentecost, uh, Pente is five, uh, cost to the 10th power. People turn it into something scary and they think Pentecost uh, is a scary thing. The word simply means uh, 50. 50, what's that? 50 days after Passover. So the law comes on that day, on that Pentecost in the Old Testament. After that first Passover, they crossed through the Red Sea and God gave it to them. God wrote his laws on the tablets of stone. And 3,000, listen to me folks, 3,000 people died that day when they were worshiping a golden calf. 3,000 people 
people died that day. But then in Acts 2, when that day of Pentecost was fully come, the Spirit descended with a loud rushing wind, with a mighty wind that filled that place. He didn't write his laws on stone this time, but rather on the fleshly tablets of our hearts. 3,000 people didn't die that day, but rather received the wonderful experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Power. There's power. Pentecost isn't about wild services and running here and there and jumping up and down and twirling in circles, uh, going crazy. The enemy has packaged it uh, to distract people away from its purpose. Uh, It's for power so that you can make a difference. Uh, It's for power so you can live above. Uh, It's for power so that the church can be empowered to be able to do something that we cannot do on our own. We need his power. So tabernacles, the the feast of of Passover, the feast of uh, Pentecost, and then there's a feast of of the tabernacles. These three holidays, uh, Jewish holidays were celebrated. A holiday in the fall, the tabernacles uh, around harvest time. It was to celebrate, uh, celebrate their wanderings in the desert, in the wilderness. Uh, Tabernacle is a portable house or or tent, uh, portable. It was movable. They would move it with them tabernacle, temporary homes, temporary house of worship. They celebrated the wandering or the temporary living in tents until they were brought into their final home, their final place, which is the promised land and celebrated during harvest season. How is that fulfilled and how does that apply? We are living on this temporary earth. Paul said, the apostle Paul wrote and said that we're aliens, we're We're strangers, we're pilgrims, we're just passing through. This is a temporary place, a temporary setting, and we're ultimately going to be brought to our final home in heaven. And one day this is all going to happen. And before that happens, there'll be a final harvest of people an influx of people a gathering of people people being filled with the spirit people being saved transformed changed redeemed is God coming back is Jesus coming back for his church yes indeed has that taken place yet no it hasn't we're looking for that day Jesus will return for his church and I'm not trying to scare anybody today just trying to prepare everybody 1 Thessalonians 4 16 and 17 do we have that 1 Thessalonians 4 4, 16 and 17 for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first 17 says after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
So tabernacles is the second coming of Jesus Christ when he returns to get his church out of here. So three major holidays because there's three major things that you need to know in this life as a believer. And it all begins with Passover. It all begins with the cross. It all begins with Jesus then the assignment for us uh, here on earth uh, is too big for us. Uh, we don't have the power to complete it uh, in ourselves, uh, so we'll need God's power to pull this off. Uh, it's also the power that gives you the ability to meet him uh, in the air. It gives you the power that you'll rise to meet him uh, in the air. You can't do that on your own. Uh, that's not a human action. We can't fly, but the spirit will give you the power to meet him in the air that's how the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the clouds somebody say hallelujah the assignment's too much for us. We need his spirit for the sake of the mission so we can ultimately experience the third thing that they celebrate tabernacles so we can all be with the Lord in heaven. Now, most people understand at some point the cross. They understand Easter and they understand somewhat that, that it's Jesus' blood that brought about forgiveness and him being the Passover lamb that, that died in our, in our place, the innocent in the place of the guilty. Substitution taking place there. The innocent died in the place of the guilty. He took my sins upon him. You understand that a, a, a little bit, or, or most of us do, and though it seems far out to some, you, you have some concept of, of heaven and and you know that, that this world is not your home and you're just passing through and, and our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So you have an understanding that there is a heaven and that's the, the destination that you, that you want to make. But most people don't understand the right now. And in the same, and it was the same in Acts chapter 2 on that, that day of Pentecost on that first outpouring people were amazed people were perplexed people were scratching their heads people were saying these uh, men are drunk uh, they're drunk look at them staggering around can you understand what they're saying they were speaking in other tongues they were speaking in other languages uh, as the spirit of God gave them the utterance and they said these men are drunk uh, they're drunk we we don't understand this so we're gonna we're gonna write it off uh, we don't understand what's going on the, the people that were that were pointing fingers were not the ones ones that received it and a lot of times people that'll point fingers and people that'll be critical of it have never had that experience with God folks you cannot write off what you have not experienced so they were asking questions what meaneth this Peter standing up with the 11 said these men are not drunk as ye suppose since but the third hour of the day or 9 a.m. in the morning but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days saith God I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh somebody give the Lord a hand so quickly what does the Holy Spirit do number one the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously among all things, this is one of the reasons you need it and want it and want to have it. It empowers me to live righteously. 
because Pentecost was about, about the giving of law. And some people are still trying to follow the written laws on the outside. And they're trying to follow the, the rules and the regulations on the outside. They're, they're trying to do that. You love God, but you're still trying to do it. Uh, but you, you don't want to do it. Your, your, your flesh doesn't want to do it, but you're, you're trying. You're, you're, you're trying to do it. You're battling your flesh. But when you're filled with the Spirit, He begins to write the laws uh, in you. So you don't have to obey necessarily. You become it. When you are it, you obey it. But instead of just do's and don'ts, it's who you become. Your desires change because you are transformed. Romans 8 and 9 says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. It's not obeying a set of commands. Those commandments become a part of who I am. And I want to do it. Not I have to do it. I get to do it. And that's a whole lot easier than having to work for it. I'm thankful for the Spirit of God. It's not so, it's so much easier to serve God out of the I want to rather than I have to. And that's where we are with, with kids. So many, so many children that were raised in church and, and they're raised as young people. And, 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 and all they get is, is, I have to do this. Uh, Mom and dad are making me do this. This is, this is what they tell me to do. And they never get it inside. It never becomes who they are. Therefore, when they get out on their own, uh, it's not who they are. Then no longer can you just go by a list of do's and don'ts. It has to get on the inside to become who they are. There's a difference. There's a difference in just saying, okay, I'll obey. It's not behavior modification. It's training the heart. And when we lose out on training our children's heart, we lose them when they go elsewhere. When they grow up and they make decisions on their own, if we have not trained their heart, they're just doing the yeses and the noes, the do's and the don'ts, uh, because we say they have to. But if you train the heart, it becomes who they are. And that's what the Spirit will do for you. It'll make you to be what He wants you to be. The Holy Spirit will, will even help you make decisions. You, you may even think to do something else logically, but the Spirit knows everything, uh, and you don't. Uh, you don't know everything. You don't know the end from the beginning, but He does. Uh, listen to what Isaiah says in 30 and, and verse 21. Wherever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. I've made decisions, personal decisions in my life that when you put it down, on paper this side is yes this side is a check mark this side is yes uh, this side is man I'm not sure about that uh, I don't know really know how that's going to end up uh, I, don't, I don't know about that uh, and felt led of the spirit to go with the side that, that says you don't really know uh, it didn't make sense uh, it didn't add up uh, but you prayed and you fasted and fasting shuts out those other voices uh, and makes you more sensitive to God's voice uh, and the Lord said it's the I don't know side you may not know, but God knows. He knows the end from the beginning, and he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. So number one, it empowers me to live righteously. You can't do that by yourself. It'll empower you to live righteously. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live 
supernaturally. Supernaturally. Help yourself if you want to live life naturally. But Jesus lived his life supernaturally. It doesn't have to be goofy. It doesn't have to be spooky. It doesn't have to be man-made for God to do miracles and sweep through this house and touch every life that is in need in here. We don't have to scare people for that to happen. We can't manufacture it. God has to do it. Somebody say amen. Acts 10 and 38, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I don't just want to be good at what we do. Listen to me now. I don't just want to be good at what we do. I want us all. I want to be good. I want us all in all we do to strive for excellence, to be better than we are, to get better, yes. But as this says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God, somebody put your hands together. You take steps with us as we lead you to a great God. Yes, your marriage can be healed. Yes, your body can be healed. Yes, your life can be changed. Yes, you can be free from that addiction. There's power available for your situation. And we want you to come to church here at Christian Life, but this isn't the only place that'll get you to heaven. It's our mission to lead you to become fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, it'll make a difference in you. It'll make a difference in our community. It'll make a difference in this world. Number three, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live on a mission empowers me to live on a mission. We are the church of the living God. We are the church of the living God. We're not just to help all of us and have a place to go to church, but we exist for the world. We are here to make a difference and to become a difference maker, to be a light unto our world. We are a church that will help you and minister to you and care for you and pray for your family and work with your family. Yes, but we're also on a mission, on the great commission from Jesus Christ and God has asked us to do something we're not qualified to do in our own power. We need his power to pull it off. We can't do it in our own power. We need his power to pull it off. And it's not the greatest example. But anybody here ever, ever try to build something and didn't have any power tools? And you're here. Yeah. And you're trying to saw, 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 saw. And you measure and you saw, saw, saw at the end. Then you got a hammer and nails and you're pop, 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 pop. And then you got to saw the next one. You know what power tools do? It goes beyond the power of yourself. 
and you're plugged into something that's way stronger, greater, more effective, more efficient than you. So you get the power, so done. He's still over there sawing with his hand. Zip, zip, zip. Flies by. He's not even sweating. That guy over there, he's still on his first one. Boom. Man, do the whole, do the whole wall. Well, somebody else is on his second board. It empowers you. Not the greatest illustration or, 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 or similarities. But you get stuff that's beyond you. You can't do it in your own power. You're not smart enough, not strong enough, not able enough, not talented enough. But then suddenly the Spirit of God moves on you and gives you that thought, gives you that direction in your life, gives you that power that you didn't have on your own. You need that. You need that. You need His power to pull it off. Our, our gospel came not to you, not simply with words, but also with power. The Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Folks, God changes us. His Spirit empowers us to live beyond what is possible in ourselves. But here's what happens. Listen to me, and I'm almost done. Here's what happens and never should happen. Listen to me. Pride comes in. Pride will often come into some. And suddenly we think, well, I've got it and you don't. I've got something that you don't have, so, so I'm better. Now, now, none of that has a place in the house of God. None of that has a place in the kingdom of God. We humble ourselves before God. Pride isn't a part of that. We're humbling ourselves. The pride isn't humble. It's not the right spirit. And if you're doing something that is pushing people away, if your attitude is such that it turns people off or pushes them away, then you are outside of God's will and purpose for this church being in existence. We're here to make a difference to become a difference maker. If you're fighting God's purpose, God will take care of you because it's His church. We don't have to take care of it. God takes care of it. Somebody say amen. But for those of us that have experienced all that God has for us, it's not to turn up our noses at others and say, man, you don't have what we have. That attitude and that spirit does not draw people to God. Here's what I want to encourage everybody in the house today. Pursue all that God has for you. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. You can't get it done by yourself. And here's what I encourage you to pray. To ask God, God, if you have it, if you have it, then I want it. I want everything that you have available to me, God. Pray that prayer all week long. Listen, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Get that. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Come on, put your hands together.
So here's the deal. I'm taking time with this leading up to next week. Because it's so important, and and I want you to want it. I want you to desire it. I want you to understand it. Uh, Some are here, and they're carrying guilt. Uh, And if you're carrying it, God isn't carrying it. Uh, If you're holding it, God doesn't have it for you. You need to experience uh, the Passover lamb. Uh, Let Jesus' blood cover you and forgive you uh, of all of your sins. Uh, Some of you here today need to rededicate your life uh, to God. Uh, Is Jesus' return uh, if he can? today if he came tomorrow would you meet him in the clouds of glory would you rise to meet him maybe you need to rededicate your life today and this begins privately it begins all on your own if you've been listening today and you've never received the Holy Spirit since you believed you're like a sail with no wind you gotta sail up but there's no power pushing you there's nothing guiding you There's nothing leading you. You're rowing and you're rowing, but it's all your strength. And it isn't getting anywhere. It's not getting it done. You need God's Spirit to empower you. You need the pneuma. You need the breath of God. Fresh air to blow into your life, into your marriage, into your job, into your situation. Open your heart this morning to God and pray that prayer. Lord, I give you my life. I surrender my all. I want everything that you have for me. Stand your feet all across this place this morning. I wonder if anybody would like to come and gather around this front and just begin to commit your heart and commit your life to God. Surrender to Him all over again. Thank you, Lord, for touching my life. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given me to know you. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that empowers me, that gives me the ability to live righteous, that empowers my life for the mission. Thank you so much, God.